0: starting in chapter 1 in Genesis, verse 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, And it was so, God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so, God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. The next reading, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So I just want to, like,
1: put out there that it could be outrageous that we have a Christmas tree up and it's only the 12th of November. Did anyone come in and be like, oh, (laughs) yeah? But isn't it beautiful? And Jazz and um, Annie did such a wonderful job. And this is phase one. Phase two through 11, or I don't know, two and three are still to come. But I thought I'd just kick off by asking. Do you think there is an appropriate date to put a Christmas tree up? Early December, the first Saturday of December, I've heard floated as an option. Are there appropriate dates? Just the first of December? Yeah, that works. Karen had an opinion? When Advent starts, which at Mary Creek is today, which is why we had the tree put up. So this morning, we're just going to talk a little bit about Advent and what it means for us as a church. And maybe, hopefully, by the end of this, you'll be really convinced that, like, you should go home and put your tree up so that you too can celebrate Advent. Um, I confess that I grew up in a family that um, wasn't big Christmas people, and I blame this on my mother. She decided to work in ministry And that meant that for us, December 24th was a, like, deadline. So we just had to work really hard to December 24th. And then we'd kind of fall in a heap and have lunch with people and stuff. For Christmas wasn't necessarily a big day. And then we would, like, rally ourselves. She worked in a job overseeing, like, summer missions, like, beach missions and camps over summer. So the 26th was, like, back to work. And we would just, like, rally the troops and try and get going for work again. But... Recently, I've made friends with a few people who just really love Christmas. They're the kinds of people who, they have a date. It is often just the 1st of December. um, Since we've begun working full-time, it's now the Saturday after the 1st of December, or the closest Saturday to the 1st of December. Go and get your tree. You bring it home. You wash it. Because if you don't wash it, there might be spiders living in it. And if they come out and go into your lounge room, that makes for a really like terrifying December. So you wash your tree, you put your tree up, and then you watch as many Christmas movies as you can. If they're hallmark, that's even better. Throughout Christmas, you always listen to Carols and you eat Christmas food, even if the like fruit mince pie flavor isn't really your favorite. And that that's what Christmas is. It's not just a day, it's a season. And whilst I kind of laugh at these people a little bit, because I don't really like Christmas movies, I think they're really lame, what it has done is brought to me the joy of a Christmas season. And as uh, in the church calendar for Christians, we call this season Advent. And Advent is just a fancy way of saying coming or arrival. And what I want to like share with you a little bit this morning is this idea that we have a coming, like we have a narrative of sitting and waiting for the coming of Jesus. is like in the Christmas traditional Christmas story, with um, angels and Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and all of the lead-up. But we also sit in Advent with a second waiting, a second coming, the coming of Jesus the second time, to put the world. Right back to rights, that he will put all things right in the end. And that Advent is a season not just of um, slightly strange food and terrible movies, but actually Advent is a season when we remember and we celebrate that God has entered our world, that God never left, and that he will return and put all things right in the end. So back in the day, um, the church... I like to think of just like the early church all sat around in a circle. I'm not sure that's how it happened, but they worked out that there was going, uh, it would be really good if the church had a calendar, a way of remembering, sitting in, retelling and learning the story of Jesus. So I'm wondering if you know what the church calendar is. If it starts with Advent, then we go Christmas, then it's, epiphany. I know, Pete. You can say it out. I've got it written down. <laughs> What's after epiphany? It's Lent. And then Holy Week with we like Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And then <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> and then Pentecost. No, then Asc- and then ascension. And then, if you're truly Anglican, there's a little Trinity Sunday in there. And then we hit, I'm sure there are lots. They're the only ones I know. And then you hit what we call ordinary weeks and as the lead up. Because life is ordinary. Jesus is with us in the every day. But then we hit Advent again. It's kind of going around in circles, but in a good way. Now, I've been watching Drive to Survive lately, and I want to stand here as I would never go see Formula One. I don't think I want to watch a two hour car race, but divide into like 36 minute episodes, it's really fun. And I want to stand here, here and now, and say that being a Christian is nothing like a Formula One race. You do not just go round and round and round in circles in the hope of getting points. Being a Christian, is actually more like going on a long car journey. Where, yeah, the wheels turn, but as they turn, we're actually going somewhere. We're not just going around in circles. There is a destination in mind. And at Advent, we recognize the turning of each wheel and the destination to which the world is headed. One day, God, uh, God's full project for, restoration project for his world of which we are a part, the whole of creation is going to be renewed. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the water covers the seas. So it means that at Advent we look back. And John, the, little, uh, the reading from John does this really well. We look back to creation. We look back to the, um, the full story of beginning with Abraham and all of the things that have gone on in the Old Testament The hope that was never given up on that climaxes in the person of Jesus and we look forward to his coming return and so I actually think Advent's a real gift, I think God has given us this gift of Advent as a time of doing that, of situating ourselves in this big Bible story and letting that form us Um, I don't know how, how you guys go just sort of Being people out in the universe Um, but I find that there's just a lot of other a lot of other stories that I could be situating myself in lots of other definitions of what it means to be human lots of other thoughts about why we are here and where we are headed but Advent is a time where we get to come together and find confidence in the story that God gives us of a world that he created a world where darkness and sadness and evil and sin has entered in and has tarnished everything and has impacted everything, but a story where God has come into the world in the person of Jesus and in his death and resurrection he has defeated sin, he has brought new fullness of life, and a story where we can look forward to his coming again and putting it all to rights. So what we're going to do in Advent as part of marking this thing, the other thing Christians sometimes do, is light candles. Yes. And so we're going to light a candle each week. and we're doing this for a number of reasons, but the one I want to like draw your attention to uh, this week is this: Jesus is the light of the world, and his spirit is with us, and that we can look at this candle and be reminded. So let's look at the passage from John. He loves to use the word light. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. John helps us do Advent well. Because it helps us to look back to creation and look forward to new creation. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is going to go through chapter one of John and just see what it shows us about who Jesus is, what he is like, what, this world that he has made, what it means to be people who advent people, if you will. But let's look at these few verses this morning and see what we can learn. I think the first thing is that this is not like your normal Christmas story, right? There isn't, um, there isn't a manger, there, isn't, there aren't stars, there aren't shepherds. It actually begins with in the beginning. So immediately we know this is not like a normal story, right? This isn't a normal person in an ordinary story. It's about someone called the Word. And John just uses the Word as a phrase to talk about Jesus, So the word Jesus was God. The word Jesus was with God and was there right back at the beginning of everything. Jesus is not the created, but he is the creator. So unlike other ways of talking about the Christmas story, John doesn't start with a story of conception. Like, yes, Mary was his mum. Yes, all of that happened. But John wants to point out to us and re-remind us that Jesus is not simply a person. There's a mind-blowingness to this, that Jesus is entirely God and entirely human. John is clear. Jesus, the word, was there right at the beginning. And it's no, um, it's, it's no accident that this phrase, in the beginning, is used in John just like it was used in the Genesis story sometimes when we see these little phrases in the bible and, or like little uh like hints at stuff or you're like oh that's interesting I've heard that before it's not just there by accident it's not a coincidence the author is trying to communicate something with us it's like what is John trying to communicate well I think that uh, John is trying to get us to notice that Uh, This Jesus is the same Jesus who was there right back at the beginning, through whom all things were created. This is who Jesus is. But also John wants us to know why Jesus came. Why was Jesus sent into our world? And John's way of talking about that is to recreate our world. The world that God made in Genesis actually is not the same sort of world that we live in. He made this, as the passage says, it's like good It's really good. And he made a good and beautiful world. And we have so much of that that we still see today. But there is also evil and pain. And so when John says in the beginning, he wants to show us that God is recreating this world. He is mending the brokenness. Jesus came to defeat sin, to defeat evil, and to bring about the completion of a restoration story for us. So the first thing is that Jesus came to recreate our world. The second thing that this passage shows us is that Jesus is the word. And what do words do? They communicate. God is like so different to us, like so different. Yes, we have been made in his image, but he is so different. And like how do you communicate across such a large gap of difference? Well, it's through Jesus the word. Jesus is the communicator. Jesus is the word of God through whom we hear the voice of God. And like, how do we hear God today? Well, for starters, we encounter him in the Bible. All you need to do is open up your Bible and hear the word of God. We encounter Jesus and the Word in the promises of the Old Testament, in the testimonies of the epistles, in the the narrative stories of the Gospels themselves. But you don't have to be like be reading the text of this spirit-inspired NIV even. Um, We encounter Jesus as these stories are retold. If you tell a a Bible story to someone, if you share of who Jesus is with someone, they're hearing the Word of God as you pray with someone through the message of the gospel, they're hearing the voice of God, and so are you. And we encounter God when we just hear this message. And I know that there are lots of ways, other ways that we can hear God, and there is a still small voice that we can learn to hear. But the most normative, the most usual, the most guaranteed way of hearing the voice of God is by opening up our Bibles, our spirit-inspired scriptures. And God is perfect, and his word is perfect. So when we read the Bible, we know that it is a sure message, it is a true message, and it is good news. So if Jesus recreated the world, or came to recreate the world, and he communicates with us, the other thing John wants us to hear is that Jesus like, accommodates himself to us. He does this in the most incredible way, like God became human. When we were talking about this uh, last week, the the word that Beck kept using was the the mind-blowingness of the incarnation. There is a mind-blowingness to this idea that God became human. And if you're like me and you've kind of grown up in church for a bit and that just might be a bit, I don't know, have lost a bit of its um, inspiration or a bit of its wow factor, But God became human. And you might wonder if this tarnished God in some way. I mean, we're great, but we're not all that great. It might have made him less God, but it didn't. Jesus, the one we read about in the Gospels, the one who is fully human, as John points out, is fully divine. He's the same Jesus who was there back at the beginning, creating the world. So he has the full divine experience, but he also has the human experience, the full range of human emotions. Jesus has a full experience of relationships. He had family. He had friends. He felt lonely sometimes. He liked a good party. He learned to read. He liked to eat. And sometimes I think he's the, Jesus is God who, when it rained, felt raindrops on his face. He's Jesus as God being fully human. You know like when you see a small child or, a, or an, even a larger person and they go to like trip and you kind of have this like, <gasps> like Jesus would have felt that. So Jesus came to recreate and to communicate, oh this rhymes, oh no, to <laughs> communicate with us. He came to accommodate to us. But he did this that we might have life and light. It's like the super famous verse of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish or wouldn't die but would have eternal life. And this life, as John tells us, is life in all of its fullness. It's a full life. We might think of eternal as purely about like time length, but actually it's about depth of life. It's about fullness. Like, I do not have life in myself. I had to be born, and so did you. I'm just using me as an example because I'm here. We had to be born. We need great farmers who produce food. We need Melbourne water to have water that comes out of our taps to hydrate. We need good medical care. But mostly, I, we need God to give us life. Like there isn't actually life without him. Your heart doesn't beat without God. Your lungs don't breathe without God. So in this moment, if you're sitting here and you follow Jesus, you are not just even given life to have a beating heart and breathing lungs. You are given eternal life, eternal depths of life. You are being given life through in the relationship that you have with God. Life that is the way that it's meant to be experienced and enjoyed and it's continual. And this is the life that is the light of all humankind. So we, the, the Genesis passage showed us that the first act of creation was to create light. God said, let there be light. And there was. The world was in darkness. God spoke And light happened. God's words brought light into darkness. This is what Jesus does. Jesus, the word, brings light into dark things, into dark places, into dark areas, to dark parts of our world, into dark parts of ourselves. And where God's word is absent, we see dark closing in. But where God's word is spoken, we see light and a light that shines brightly. So Advent is about this God who created the world, who entered into the world, who brought light and life, a fullness of life, a richness of life, who never left, and is going to complete the reconciliation that our world desperately needs in the coming of Jesus. So I had a picture I was thinking, though, like, what, I don't know, like, so what, right? Like, if you're preparing a sermon, at some point you ask, like, why does this even matter? And I was thinking, uh, I want to get you to just have a little thought experiment with me. I want you to imagine that your life is like a picture, and your picture has a frame around it, or at least that's what we've been told, So this is our life. Yeah, anyway. So I was thinking, what is, just hold, hold that in your mind for a moment. What is the like, I don't know, the rubber hits the road bit of this wonderful news that God became human and entered into our world? And I wonder if a question around this might be, sure, Jesus entered into the world when he was born. But it often seems like he's gone, he's very far away, or at least he's not part of my daily lived experience. You might not use the phrase daily lived experience to, you know as a common vernacular, so maybe your question goes or thought goes something more like this. Sometimes I'm afraid that Jesus is just a figment of my imagination. Or sometimes when I pray... I wonder if I'm just speaking into an empty room. Or maybe put another way, how am I meant to believe in someone I can't see? Maybe none of these are your questions, and you have your own ones. But these are mine. And I, like you, I live in a context where it turns out, and my context is Melbourne, for those, you know, playing along at home, it t- where it turns out, that God is not necessary, and belief in God is not necessary. Each day as I leave my apartment, I walk out into a society that believes that God is not here, that believes God is absent if he existed at all, maybe believes his absence is a good thing, and I walk among those who tell me that because God is not here, I'm the one that can decide what is best for me. And if I'm just to be perfectly honest this morning, like, this impacts me. I, like, I work for a church. I've been studying at Bible college, but I still walk out into a world and it impacts me. And so if this is the painting that is your life, it's like God has been painted out of it to the point that as a city, we don't even seem to have the collective imagination for a picture that includes God. Sometimes, though, I think, for, I wonder for us, it's like if God exists, which for those of us who are Christians here this morning, we're on board with, but it's like God exists outside of this. He's not actually in the picture, he exists outside of the frame. He's other, he's distant. Sometimes he, like, I don't know, like um, drills a little hole through the frame and, like, comes in just for a little moment. But this is not a porous frame, generally speaking. And so for us, it becomes really hard to see that God is in the frame. I don't know, maybe, do you find it hard sometimes? Do you find it hard to see God throughout the day? To just know that when you're washing the dishes, like, he's there too? And I just want to say this morning, like, of course it's hard. I find it really hard. I live in Melbourne in 2023, and I've been told that God has been painted out of the picture. But this is why we need seasons like Advent, because it means we get to talk for a really long time about the incarnation, the fancy way of saying when God came into our world, when God came into our picture. And we get to talk about how maybe the frame isn't just porous, but the frame doesn't even exist. God is there, painted all over the picture. And Advent gives us a time to like retell and retell and retell this story until it becomes normative, that God became a human and he's not in the frame as this other spiritual entity that has nothing in common with us. God is in this frame. He is painted all over the pictures of our lives, in a way that he can relate to us, we can, we can relate to him. He can empathize with us in our every weakness. He can celebrate with us in our every joy. And John wants us to know that it's not just that like God was out here and then like entered into the picture frame, but God created the whole picture. This picture only exists because of the life that God has given it. And so, this Advent, I want you guys to be encouraged and inspired to walk out of your homes with confidence. The kind of confidence that comes from knowing that Jesus is a real person, that he came into our world. God has not been pushed out of our frame, he is inside it, inside our world, whether people believe it or not, deeply invested in our world. And he is there as part of our day-to-day experience. But sometimes we feel like he's not. And I, I really want to say this morning I get that. So what do we do when that just seems like a nice idea? Or well, perhaps you're all over it at the moment, but you've got a friend who you're like, I just think you think that God is really distant and far away. Well Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again that we might pray. And I think prayer is the most subversive thing that we can do in a context that says God is not necessary, God is outside of the frame. I don't know if you've had these moments where and sometimes I'm like, oh, I haven't been praying as much recently. And I think it's just because my life is going really well. And I kind of go, "Oh." And then other times when I feel so drawn to, like, there's, there's a couple of times this year when I literally got on my knees next to my bed out of this, like, anguish of just needing to pray about something. And it's because my world had been shaken up. And I just want to encourage you to let those moments of being shaken draw you into prayer, draw you into a deeper connection with God and to stay there. Because praying to a, in a relationship with a real God is the way, I believe, to push back on this idea that God is outside the frame. Because you are not praying to an empty room. You are not praying to a God who is just like far up in the sky somewhere. You are not praying to a God who doesn't get it. You are praying to a God who knows what it's like to be hurt, to be let down. You are praying to a God who knows what it's like to have someone he loves hurting. You are praying to a God who is near. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is so intimately near to us that the Holy Spirit takes our like wordless groanings and utterings and like does something with that. And God will speak to you. Jesus is the word. We can open up the scriptures at any time. You can come to church and hear the good news talked about. God will speak to you. And so Advent is just this calendar season. It's a rhythm that we can get a, get like come back and focusing in on what is the most important part of our faith. That God became human. He lived, he was born, he lived, he had a ministry, he died to defeat evil and sin, and he rose again that we too might have resurrection life. And that's what Advent is about. That's what Christmas is about. And if putting a tree up in your house a little bit early this year will encourage you of that, I encourage you to do so. So maybe this Advent you could read along with John's Gospel. That's what we're going to be doing here at church. But also, maybe, whether you're a little bit arty or not, maybe you could either create a painting um, that's light, or a picture um, that will remind you that God is actually painted over the whole of your life. Or you could just do what I did. I have had this up in my house for years and just decided this morning that I was like looking at all of my art and I was like, which one is going to remind me that God is painted through every part of our life. So I chose this one. Don't know why, but it spoke to me. Go home. Look at something that's hanging on your wall. What reminds you, what can remind you that God is necessary? More than that, God made the world. He is deeply involved in it. He deeply loves you. He is deeply near. And he will return and put everything back to right in the end. Uh, Let me pray. Our Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you have rewritten the story. We want to thank you that you are reordering our world. In your mercy, come and rewrite our stories. Come and reorder our world. Remind us that you really did enter into our world. Remind us, God, that in your spirit you never left. And help us to trust that you will return and put all things right in the end. Amen.